0: Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition. I am your host, Cody McBroom, and today I have a special interview with the one and only Susan Lendertz, who is the co-owner of Activated Concepts. Um, She is also one of my clients. In fact, she's been a client of mine for three years. So she is a long-term client. She has no plans on stopping, uh, according to what she will dive into on today's podcast. Uh, So today's kind of a a two-fold podcast. We're going to dive into two different things. We're going to dive into her experience with me. I've been requested to get a client on the show many times in the past, and I have yet to do so, but I finally decided to bring somebody on who has had uh, not only a great experience, but has gone through a lot with me, uh, both in her personal life of me coaching her through, but also different goals, different aspects of health, fitness, nutrition that we have focused on, hormone. All those kind of things. So, uh, it's a very multifaceted client to give you as an example and as a testimony. Um, and she's she's amazing. I mean, she's extremely healthy. She's extremely fit. She's an independent entrepreneur. She's strong as hell for her size. Like, I mean, she's putting up good numbers in the gym. She's great. She's a perfect person to get on here to talk to you guys about not only her coaching experience with me, obviously, but also why coaching in general is so important and what values you should be seeking in a coach or you should be trying to practice as a coach. Then we dive into what she does for a living, which is really, really hard to explain. Um, in her words, she uh, facilitates exponential growth over incremental progress to revenue and impact in leaders, thought leaders, CEOs, entrepreneurs, business owners, really all kinds of people. I explained it as a life coach and a cultural uh, consultant. And the reason I did that is because she comes in and she helps people develop better habits for their life. She helps them be more mindful, more positive, more energetic, more motivated. She quite literally is a life coach, but she primarily works with business owners and she usually goes into corporations and companies and helps from the top down. So she helps with the top leaders and lets that trickle down into the employees, into the groups, into the culture, into the atmosphere. And from her tactics and strategies with her and her partner, she ends up changing entire companies with what they do. So guys, you're going to get a ton out of this podcast. Again, you're going to get a lot from the client experience uh, perspective, but also from a perspective of leadership, personal development, mindfulness, growth, um, better recovery strategies to not burn out. Like we talk about a lot and I think no matter who you are, you're going to get a ton out of this. So I'm really excited for this. If you guys enjoy this podcast, do me a huge favor, uh, post it on your Instagram story and tag us both. Mine is at Cody McBroom and hers is at Susan Lendertz. That's S-U-S-A-N. L-E-N-D-E-R-T-S. And I'm gonna link both those in the description of this podcast. Her website is activatedconcepts.com, which will also be linked in the description of this podcast. Um, And without any further ado, let's talk to the one and only Susan Lendertz. All right, so this is a special and exciting uh, interview because I actually don't know if I've ever had a client on the podcast. Maybe once or twice, but those were also clients who became coaches um they might have already been coaches so this is cool because this is a client of mine um so we're going to dive into a little bit of her story with me and then we're going to talk specifically about what she does cuz i think there's so many people listening to this podcast that are going to be able to get a lot of value and benefit from who Susan is and what she actually does which we'll touch on in a sec but before that I want to celebrate real quick on uh, our 3 year anniversary. It has been a long time coaching together and it is really exciting for me to say that because that is a that's a huge milestone for coaching with us.
1: Yeah, it's insane. I can't in some regards it feels like it's been longer than that and others it's it feels like yesterday we just began, but we've gotten to know each other so well over the last three years. It feels like it's been a relationship that's much longer than that, too.
0: Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and it's it's an honor for me to be able to have somebody on board for that long and to, and to build a relationship like this with a client is always a special thing. Um, but the thing I want to ask you most, because I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about, uh, I don't want this to turn into like a testimonial podcast for the listeners, although obviously <laughs> I get a ton out of that. Um, but I do want to ask you a couple quick questions and then let like you just kind of, uh, you can share anything you want to share really. But I really want to know, I mean, ultimately, number one, why are you still coaching? And number two, where else has this helped you in your life? Because a lot of times people think of a coach, especially an online coach, as somebody who's going to, you know, you hire them to get a result. Once you get the result, you leave. And I think a lot of people make the mistake of leaving too soon because we all know that achieving a result and sustaining a result after it's achieved are two different things. Uh, Now, they don't have to be dramatically different as far as the process of doing so but they are different right so I always tell people like don't leave right away take time so you can reverse and sustain it and learn like what your new maintenance is like and all that Um, but we've obviously gone beyond that right we've had enough time to do multiple cycles of uh, different goals and having different lifestyles obviously you've gone through a lot since we've known each other so working through different (laughs) personal and business and financial all these different things uh, even Uh, geographic because you move and you're traveling so much. So there's a lot here. But um, but again, question number one, why are you still coaching?
1: You know, I don't know that I necessarily view this as just coaching. I view this as I view working with you as my health optimization strategy. So I'm an entrepreneur, to your point, I travel all the time. And I don't think of this as just, you know, fat loss phases and reverse dieting phases and getting stronger, which are all amazing things that we do together. But working with you is my one of a part of my strategy to be my healthiest self. And so there is no end to that. And I like pray every day that you're not like, okay, it's time for you to be Finished as a client because you're part of my like long-term strategy for how I live my life in the most healthy and optimized way.
0: I love that. I love that so much because I think it it, it translates to uh, prevention of many things, and it translates mm-hmm. to being proactive and, and more progressive in so many ways of life too. And a lot of people don't see that. Um, obviously, I'm the same way. I always have a coach, and that's why. And I also coach a lot of people where the first conversation, um, especially you know people who work with my coaches now, just because they do a lot of the coaching on our company, I I tell them at the beginning like the goal is to get you to a point where you have autonomy, right? That you should be able to use us and learn from us and then go do your own thing. Um, But every once in a while, I get somebody like you who views it this way, and the same viewpoint is for me. Is like there's no deadline or timeline where I'm like, all right, we need to wrap things up because you got your goal. You know, I think that it's beautiful that you can continue to see the value in that. And if you could share what you think I do that allows you to view this that way, I think that would be huge. And it can be in a nutshell. And, And I mainly want you to do this. So coaches listening can take away like how to treat a client who views their relationship as more than just a fat loss phase. You know what I mean? Because it's, some of what I'm, I'm actually interested because I don't necessarily, I didn't take you on thinking of it that way. Like, how can I keep this person for three years or more? You know, I, I just was like, she's got a goal. Like, let's optimize things for her. But what do you feel like I'm doing that is allowing it to be this way?
1: Well, I think it's, you know, the power of the check-in, right? We talk about, you talk about accountability a lot, but in your check-in process, you're not just looking at what is my scale weight? What are my measurements? What do my pictures look like? Um, and even to a certain extent, you're not just looking at my energy, but you're looking at my sleep, you're looking at my stress. And I kind of have to get real with myself every time I check in. And it's sometimes uncomfortable to be like, you know what, I haven't been prioritizing sleep, I've been letting stress run the show. So I think it's the holistic nature within the check-in process itself, that is a reckoning for me on a weekly basis of how I've been managing my life. and. You don't just glance over it. You come back in with, you know, how are we going to make some changes? Because you are, you know, your stress is at a five. Or in the context of tons of travel, how are we prioritizing sleep and nutrition? And so it's like, you're my essentially the way I view you or the way that you operate for me is as my consultant in a way, like you're like my health consultant. And so I think it's, again, it's that that approach that you take with your process, that it isn't just about the aesthetics. It's about the whole person and and how I'm feeling and making me answer tough questions about why I'm not, you know, necessarily feeling great. And you're not hard on me, but you're, you're a mirror every single week.
0: Mm. I think there's a, I think there's a balance of being um, kind of blunt in a way, but like respectfully, (laughs) Blunt, if that makes sense. Cause I think, I, I think you have hit a good point there. Like you have to be empathetic and, uh, I mean, you gotta be nice. You can't be a dick or an asshole when you're coaching somebody, you know, and I try to be conscious of that, but th- there's that, that delicate balance. Cause I have to be real with it too, you know, and, and you just named so many things that have nothing to do with like the weight on the scale. Right. Which is so important for people to hear because yeah. it does go beyond that. And when you consider optimizing health around the board, like that's really what it's about. It's about looking at all these different spectrums um and and to prove a point i would love for you to share uh two things like one just kind of with people so they get some context of you because obviously they're not watching us they don't see you they're not looking at your progress pictures and stuff like that um but where like your maybe your your focuses have been because i know we've shifted that a little bit and then to add on top of that the compliment that man gave you recently that you i think you were walking your dog right (laughs) where that guy just came up to you the older gentleman yeah yeah
1: yeah, I'll I'll start with that. Um, I was walking down the street in New Orleans, of all places, in the morning, with my dog, and this older gentleman just stopped. And he was sober. That's the important point. He was sober. <laughs> he stopped me, and he said, "He's like, you are beautiful. You are just the picture of health." And, um, and that that is where my focus has shifted. You know, so I'm someone who, transparently, comes from. A disordered eating background many many years ago. I mean, like twenty years ago. Um, And my, you know, coming into you, I just wanted to be smaller, 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 leaner, like always. And so it's funny that I talk about how I view you as not just like thinking about the number on the scale because I am really thinking about how do I, you know, preserve my fertility as I get older. How do I keep my hormones balanced as much as possible as I reach for aesthetic goals. Um, I'm obsessed with getting stronger. Like I love putting up big numbers in the gym. And, and, and so that's like, that's really, I mean, again, it comes back to optimization. That's my focus. Like I want to be an optimized Susan. And, and that has changed over three years because it was in the beginning, just, okay, make me, make me strong. And I mean, I still want that, <laughs> but that's not, um, but I'm not, I don't want that at the expense of some of these other things like my health. And that is, that's a huge differentiator with you, I think. Um, and this does probably sound like a testimonial, but you, you will not let me sacrifice my health for getting, you know, super shredded and that I don't need to be super shredded. I, I don't need to be that.
0: Well, and I, and I think it's sometimes as a coach too, it's hard to not get, uh, I think the word would be, uh. I'm going to butcher it, monocular, that's like one, I believe, like a a monocular focus of just like the one thing you're after. Um, Because a lot of people say, you know, you can't chase fat loss and health and performance and stress, like all these different things, you know. Um, But the reality is, is we have been and you have a million things that get thrown at you that try to stop us from doing that by being an entrepreneur, by having some crazy things in life show up and, and get thrown at you and and all those, but we keep chasing it, right? And you're a good example of, of, you really can do that stuff if you commit to the longer term and you're consistent with many things across the board, rather than just one thing. Uh, and, and and I want to touch on real quick, because you mentioned the disordered eating type of thing. Um, it A lot of people, and I just did a podcast on this, using all the research to show that it's more of a core, like an assumption or a correlation of tracking and numbers creates disordered eating versus it's actually usually personality mm-hmm. types and goals and things like in extreme, um, expectations that cause those types of things. And no matter what kind of diet approach you take, you're probably going to lead into that regardless. Right? So what I like to say is that, you know, Facing the numbers is actually better. It's, it's like if, you're, if you hate the scale, avoiding the scale at all costs is never going to get you over your fear of the scale or your hatred of the scale. You actually have to, you know, in the words of Ryan Holiday, the obstacle is the way right? You have to get Mm -hmm. on the scale to do that. And so you're a great example of that. And we still attacked it with, okay, well, let's track macros. Let's track your sleep. Let's track your steps. Let's track your weight. Let's track all these numbers because numbers don't lie. And we can show you that these fluctuations are normal, right? You've built so much muscle and strength over the last three years that we've seen weight gain actually, but you've gotten leaner, right? Mm -hmm. The numbers tell us something and it's, and it's all positive things, but it takes that analytical approach to understand that. I think. Well, and that's
1: the other thing. I think that, you know, part of why I, I value coaching is to not slip back into those patterns because I do have someone to talk to when I am feeling uncomfortable. If I don't, if I am having a problem with what the number on the scale says, and to be honest, and I hope it sticks, but I think I've finally gotten just recently gotten past the, the scale has to be a certain number. Cause I am definitely leaner probably than I ever have been. And, and I feel amazing. And the scale's not the lowest it's ever been and um and I don't care I like it it hasn't been bothering me and I don't think that I could have reached that alone because I've been able to come to you and I'm like okay I I know this is just my head and something I'm struggling with but can you just can you just hold my hand through this Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I'm uncomfortable and you know, again, that comes back to what you're saying. You Have to have empathy for where your client is. It probably gets frustrating sometimes to see the pictures and someone be like, "But I need to be this number." Um, but you you face it with you know such gentleness, which is sometimes what we need. And you're much more kind to me than I am to myself. That's another you know intangible value of of coaching.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and this is obviously more specific to me as a man, but I always, I've always looked at it like uh, almost like a gentle masculinity is what I like mm-hmm. strive for. Cause I think you have to be like, I need that too. Cause it's like, if somebody's, if a mentor is just constantly just sergeant style with me, then I'm never going to get far. I'm going to begin to resent them and not respect them and just get annoyed of them. Right. Rather than listen to them. Um, and I think that's a, an important thing to consider, one of the things that I, I really like about uh, what we've done and talked about here so far is just how many times you've referred back to like communication and accountability, because mm-hmm. I think it's kind of, it, it's almost so it's like the least sexy thing inside of coaching to talk about or market. And I understand why, but it's probably the most important thing, you know, cause some of the times it's just you speaking out what you're thinking to somebody is the best thing you can do. Even if I didn't respond because when you speak it out or write it out, you begin to read it logically versus listening to your story mm-hmm. emotionally in your head. And then all of a sudden you go, okay, this sounds dumb. I know better than this, right? And, it, and I do the same thing when I write it out to my coach. But um, having those, those conversations is so important. And accountability in general is just so key to doing anything. And I was thinking about this re- recently, um, just yesterday actually, because my aura ring died and my charger was at the office. And... I get in this habit of if I don't have my charger, if my O-ring's dead, I actually get worse sleep because I I like end up basically going, I don't have accountability tonight. So I won't see where my sleep's at. So I end up watching a little bit TV a little bit later. I end up not caring as much. And it's literally just accountability because I know tomorrow morning, I'm gonna look at my O-ring and it's gonna be dead. So it's not gonna track my sleep. So I can get away with a shitty night of sleep and I'll never know. You know, it's one of those things. And it's just so funny because I was able to step back and think about it. I was like, that's so dumb. Like, I should be trying to get better sleep no matter what, but it's, it's accountability, right? And obviously like what you're saying, it's, it's so important to what you do across the board as well.
1: Well, yeah. And, you know, you actually called me out to communicate with you more. So we, you know, we're in a fat loss phase right now. And you said, when we go into this, like, I need to hear from you more, not that I wasn't checking in, but you needed more depth from me. And, you know, I, I am, despite the fact that I've been coaching with you for three years, I'm someone who is very independent, you know, I, I try, I carry a lot in life and work. And, um, and, and it was actually a really important kind of awakening for me to say like, I need to actually lean on the people in my life more. And you, you triggered that. Cause it made me, it made me see that I was just kind of giving you what I thought you needed. And I wasn't really getting into like, I'm feeling this way. I'm struggling with this. I, you know, am exhausted because I know I'm working too much or all of these things. I wasn't sharing that level with you. And so we've actually in the last, I don't know, eight weeks or whatever, gone a lot deeper than we have before, because you Called me to do that, and that's important too. And that's knowing your client.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that, and that's it's it's cool for me to hear because I, I mean that's just that was my natural response. Like it, it, it didn't obviously you didn't respond back to me and tell me how hard like how well that worked with you and how hard that hit you. So it's really cool for me to hear it right now, especially live <laughs> on the podcast. Um, but it, and it's one of those things too where it's like I have all the confidence in the world in you your ability because. You're you've been doing this so long with me. You were doing it before you were with me. You have a knowledge base that's above the average individual, and you're a very independent woman. So I like I I know that you can conquer a lot by yourself, but I also know that it can always help. And the more I hear from you, the more data I have, the better I can serve you. You know, um, absolutely.
1: But, but to hear
0: that is really cool. Uh, last thing I want to touch on before we can like get onto the next because I don't want to spend the whole podcast, even though I easily could, talking about. <laughs> what we do. um, Where else, and I know it's, I mean, there's a lot, but where else has our coaching helped you? Because I want people to remember too, this isn't like, you know, a, a mentorship or business coaching or like a ton of calls all the time or anything like that. This isn't a high level type of coaching relationship, even though it's turned into a pretty long lasting and deep relationship between us. But I mean, it's coaching. It's literally training and nutrition coaching. I mean, and you've been at it for so long, you're grandfathered into an old price, which is always great too, right? (laughs) But um, (laughs) the point is, is is this is our general coaching and it's been able to help you in so many areas that I'd really love for you to explain exactly where else this is translated to that you can directly see.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, going from the very beginning of why I'm still with you as a coach, it's absolutely helped to shine a light on some of the behaviors and practices that were not supporting my overall health even like you know I occasionally have to tell you that I've been way over consuming caffeine and I need to bring you know dial it in and um and and so it's like that overall awareness of what I'm doing every single day that's supporting my health and my vitality I Um, you know, I do run a business and I love what we do and I do a lot of it. And so it is so important that I show up every day with as much energy as I can possibly have. And there's no question that our work together has, um, has helped me really create that daily energy to show up for my clients, to create, you know, new things in the world of business that, haven't existed before because COVID has called for us to create new ways of working. Um, and it's taken a lot of a lot of creative energy. And if I wasn't so focused on my health and dialed in in that regard, I couldn't show up like this every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's absolutely helped my energy, my creative energy. But I think it's also my confidence, right? I Um, I mean, I've been, prior to being an entrepreneur, I spent 15 years in corporate America in leadership positions and was often the youngest and often the only female in a boardroom. And, um, you know, to step in there and, and have confidence because I know I can go into the gym and pull, easily pull 200 pounds off the ground and do other things. And, you know, we've been doing tons of pull-ups lately and that like confidence that we build through training, and it's obviously supported through nutrition, that translates for me as a female executive more than I think people could on the surface understand. Um, so I'm like walking into a boardroom and not maybe not thinking like, oh, I was just in the gym this morning pulling 235. But I have that just overall confidence in my life of, of my an awareness of my strength. And that comes from our work together and, and setting goals with you and, um, you know, trying new things, trying new programming styles. I mean, it creates this confidence and this adaptability that I don't know where else I could get it.
0: I love that. It was so perfectly explained. I think that I used to have this thing. I used to always say, I went through this program called wake up warrior a long time ago. I still use a lot of what they do, but they have, uh, the four pillars. I often talk about these pillars too. And I think a lot of people kind of focus on these four things. Um, it's basically like health, self, um, relationships and finance, right? Career, but they call it body being balanced business. And I always thought it was cool because there's a reason body comes first. And I used to always say your body is the fastest path to power or your body is the doorway Mm -hmm. to power. Right. And this is why there's so many people who can say that, you know, the reason they got a raise, the reason they got into a better relationship, the reason that they have confidence in all these other areas of life is because they got fit, they got healthy, they have energy. It's, it translates so well to everything else, you know? And I think that's so important for people to realize is like, when you transform your health and your body and you do it the right way, you're not just looking better. You're not just trying to get a flat stomach. You're, you're accomplishing so much more in all areas of your life. Um, which is why I wanted to ask you that question so bad because I know you're the, literally the like poster child for <laughs> that, that experience. Um, now, you, you started to touch on a little bit of what you do, which is what I want to get into next. So, so kind of tell the listeners, um, I mean, really, Susan, like what, what do you do? What is it you yeah. do just to give them context of, of who you are as a female entrepreneur so that we can kind of start diving into how you can actually help the people listening?
1: Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. So, my company is called Activated Concepts and we are at the, the easiest way to explain it is we are a strategy consulting firm. So, like I said before, I spent 15 years in corporate America before I uh, became an entrepreneur, which is a scary journey in and of itself. But um, when I was in corporate, what I what I really realized was that my companies could do a lot with regard to professional development, but no company I worked for had really understood actually how to support us as leaders and even our teams as humans. And I had this recognition that there could be so much work done to really support the humans in our organizations. And so that could be through culture. We do a lot of culture work, just truly sitting down and defining a company's culture and And teaching leaders how to use that culture as leverage, not only for the outcomes in our businesses, but importantly, to support the lives of the people working for us. Um, It was just something that I, I knew was needed because I approached burnout so many times in my career. And some of that was on me, but my organizations were not set up to support me, the human. So a lot of our business focuses on on using culture as strategy, and it often begins with defining well what our culture is, and it translates into then business programs that uh, you know that do impact the bottom line. Um, and we also work with small businesses to bring some of the structure and strategy from a bigger business perspective into small businesses. So again, it's really this—it is strategy consulting at its core, uh, and it kind of goes in two directions depending on the size and the structure of the organization.
0: I love it. I, I mean, the way I kind of see it, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong or if there's a better way to explain it. But like when I try to like explain it in a one liner, so to speak, I think of it almost as like life coaching in kind of like cultural uh, counseling or consulting in the corporate setting. Would that be yeah, somewhat accurate? Yeah,
1: it is. I mean, it is. It's um, you know, obviously when we're working with three, four, five hundred thousand person companies. We can't address the individual, but it is like, it is seeing a business as a system of energy, just like a human being is. Mm. And so it's understanding what is in and out of balance. And it's not going to be the same um, sort of indicators of balance for every company. It's going to be really reflective of their culture, but yeah, it is taking this theory. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I am an ind- independent person but I have so much care and love in my being. It's taking that approach but with an organization, as opposed to an individual.
0: Yeah, well, and at the end of the day, as you know, especially in those large companies, there's there's somebody at the top, and then there's like a few people beneath them, and then a few people. Be, there's there's a chain of command, right? And so there's a lot mm-hmm. of leaders in this chain and I'm sure that you guys look at it like which leader needs the most improvement because that leader is going to affect the leaders beneath them and then those leaders are going to affect the leaders and the employees and the groups and the the, everything beneath them and then it begins to really change on a hundred thousand plus level if you're working in these huge companies but it all starts with that one person.
1: It does and actually we look not only at where is there the most change needed but we actually look at what where is the company strongest because that's also a point of leverage so we don't just focus on what's not working well and who do we need to like rise up but how do we take a cultural strength within the organization and use that as a growth catalyst because within that are our you know cultural change agents and people who will really be supportive of the direction of travel toward a better company culture mm.
0: Okay. So I want people listening just real quick. I just thought of this too. Um, If you're somebody who doesn't own a fortune 500 company, (laughs) there's still application here with what we're going to continue diving into. And there's also a lot of people who own small businesses or are coaches and and run coaching teams like myself who absolutely can use the things Susan's talking about or quite literally use her and her partner if you (laughs) literally wanted to work with them. So it's not reserved to these companies. Um, It's just that these are easy for examples. Now, You you mentioned briefly as when you were kind of explaining earlier why you got into what you're getting into, Um, but I want to touch on the burnout aspect of that because I think that's probably, I mean, that's a big part of what you and I have focused on for yourself as well as what you and I have talked about in other conversations for myself, and I know that's what you help with a lot in these leaders, which is something that I think everybody listening can benefit from because whether you're listening this because you want to build your business or you're listening this because you want to be a better parent or you're listening this because you want to have a better physique at the end of the day if you're burning the candle at both ends it's only a matter of time before it cannot continue anymore Um, and you need to kind of put fuel back in your own tank you know you need to take time for yourself so I'd love for you to kind of dive into what you do and or how you help leaders With self care, with ways of making sure that they're either avoiding burnout or even reversing it if possible. Because I know a lot of times people listening are like, "Well, I'm already there. (laughs) What do I do now?" Uh, But can you touch on burnout as a whole and and what you kind of focus on with people?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So burnout is both individual and systemic, meaning that um, you know it, it falls on us as individuals to look at why are we burning out. To your point, burning the candle at both ends. Um, this dedication and devotion to the work, which I'll come back to, but then then it, we also look at the systemic causes of burnout, which are in part societal. Like you know, saying like, "Oh my gosh, I only got four hours of sleep at, last night," or "I'm so busy." You know, still still is a badge of honor um, in our society and within our companies. What systems are actually rewarding? burnout type behaviors. Mm. And so that's why I say it's both individual and systemic. And so when we look at a company that's struggling with burnout, um, we look at what's going on uh, with the individuals and what's going on systemically within any organization that we can fix or solve um, to not be supportive of people burning themselves out. And just to kind of set some context, though, we are seeing so much more burnout this year than ever before. And um, I have this hypothesis that we are functioning in a way almost like as if we are in economic crisis, even though our economy has been really strong since the pandemic. So there's a term I'd love to introduce, which is called work devotion. And that's this um, this idea or this, this description really of how we become so compelled to sacrifice our personal lives, our families, our health, um, to prove our commitment to our jobs, or if you're an, if you're an entrepreneur, to your clients, um, to bosses, to our colleagues. Like we want to show everyone, like we are so devoted. We sacrifice our lives, and um, this is something that we saw come into vogue in. 2008 with the economic crisis then, um, but we're seeing that surge in work devotion now because people aren't commuting. People have theoretically more time to work and they're using it for work. And there's just this, you know, ever present with your phones, with your laptops at home, like you could work all the time and people are doing that. They're wanting to show, hey, I know we're in this pandemic kind of situation, but I'm sacrificing everything for you. And it's creating this unprecedented level of burnout. So um, so what do we do? We, we start with, you know, what are the cultural norms within a company that support it? Because often, oftentimes it may be implicit. It's not like anyone's saying we want you to burn out, but just in the way that they talk, the language that they use, how people talk about their work, we can start to get subtle cues of how organizations actually support people burning themselves out. Um, You know, you look at how people are promoted, you look at career ladders, you look at calendars and people having Zoom from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. And we really look at those pieces and, and how they're rewarded and celebrated and start to unwind them. So again, we come at it from a systemic standpoint and then come to the individual because until the systemic piece is solved, like people are going to think that it's going to be harmful for them to book a massage in the middle of the day, take a day off because they they cannot concentrate anymore. You know, anything that you could do for self care, if the system doesn't support it, they're not going to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. I think uh, sometimes the systemic side of this can also or partly be caused through environment, whether that's what you're listening to, here you're listening to, what you're reading, things like that. Um, and speaking from personal experience here, not from a, a teacher's perspective like you are, but personally, I think I've done that to myself plenty of times, you know, and I think that, um, I can run into that. Well, especially with, as an entrepreneur, the list never really ends of what you need to do. So you get into this mode of like, well, there's work to be done. So just, you know, you got to keep going, You got to keep going. And I've actually even had, uh, I had a conversation with my wife recently where my, I had a tattoo appointment and if, The listeners know me well. They know that means, like, I'm probably going to be sitting in the chair all damn day, which I was, but it got canceled because his dog had an appointment, so my day was completely free, so, of course, my wife's like, you've been burnt out lately. You should, you know, take a day with the family. Like, let's do something, and my initial response is like, I can't. There's a huge list Mm -hmm. to do. There's an opportunity for me to work. I got, you know, and she actually had to, like, kind of, like, poke me a few times for me to be like, fuck, you're right, like all right, let's go do some stuff to get me out of the office for a little bit. And I was so glad I did because it, it allowed me to refresh. But our brains immediately go to work, right? And, and I've even talked to my coaches about this. As coaches, we're generally always on. So mm-hmm. I've actually – actually, the amount of times I've had a conversation with one of my coaches, if not other coaches ask me for advice about this is insane. But advice on how do I take a vacation? How do I take a few days off? What do I tell my yeah. clients? And I'm like, you tell them that you're leaving. You you have a job yeah. and you're taking a vacation. What do you think they do? You think they answer customers and employers and stuff like when they go on vacation? No, they don't. Um, and shit, I even remember. And this is kind of funny to even say. I remember having one of these situations myself where I was leaving and I was explaining to you why. And I was probably I probably did this to multiple people. You're the only person that called me out. And I was explaining to people like you know, why I was going and why I was going to be a few days uh, behind on stuff, because why I wasn't checking my email, blah, blah, blah. And you were like, hey, can I give you some constructive criticism? I'm like, of course. And you were like, you don't need to tell me shit. You just tell me you're leaving. Like, you're giving me excuses as to why you leave. Like, you don't need to do that. You deserve to leave. You haven't left in a long time. Like, go. Like, why are you telling me this? And it was kind of a light (laughs) check for me to be like, fuck, you're right, because that's what I tell my coaches when they ask me for advice. Um, But I, I would love to get your thoughts on the whole environmental piece here, because I think, I get really into following certain entrepreneurs and and thought leaders and a lot of that hustle mentality because I'm very attracted to it. I'm very attracted to that mindset of, like, mm-hmm. you know, the 5 a.m. club, which I've slowly gotten out of to get more sleep. And it's been tremendous uh, as far as a help. But this idea of, of always grinding, and I can even think of certain people who are glorified by it, right? And, in, in, you know, uh, RIP. But Kobe Bryant was one that was like this. Michael Jordan, too. But I've read a lot more about Kobe Bryant just because of Tim Grover and stuff. And a lot of his talks were like, in order to be the greatest, I had to sacrifice a lot of things. And I understand that when you're the greatest one of the greatest NBA players of all time. But I think the problem becomes when people glorify celebrities and athletes for those attributes and they demonize and shame people who are not at that level of accolades for doing so. You know, and there's this weird there's this weird thing going on where it's like, if Kobe Bryant does it, it makes sense. Like, yeah, ignore your family sometimes, man. You got to do that. You know, do it as much as you need to. You're going to be the best. But if a CEO who's not famous and on TV does it, like – that's fucked up, man. Like, that's not okay. You're, you're bad for that. You know, it's like, where's the balance here? And how do we, how do we interpret what you actually need to sacrifice in order to be successful? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I could go in so many different directions, but, um, let me pick up on the athlete piece first, because there's this, there's this idea that we can be corporate athletes and what, you know, business athletes, if you're not in a Mm, corporation, right. Business athletes. So, so, but, the thing is with a, with someone like Kobe Bryant or any athlete, they have a season, they have a season and then they have an off season and not that they're slouching in their off season, but their off season is going to look very, very different than when they're in season. We, we to, like, unless you're really mindful of it, we don't have seasons in business. Like it's just all day, every day. This is what you do. And of course you have launches and you could think about launches as seasons, but it's like we've looked at these athletes, these elite athletes, and we're we're saying, okay, we need to be like them. We need to train like them. We need to work like them, but, but we don't give ourselves an off season. And, and I'm not the originator of that thought, by the way, I'm trying to remember what book I read this in. But when I read that, I was like, damn, Mm -hmm. okay. I, of course we can't keep pushing ourselves like this every single day. And yes, there are entrepreneurs who do very famous, very wealthy, very successful entrepreneurs who do, but it is they may have a rare gene because for the majority of us to be again, optimized to be our most creative selves, we have to take down time. Our brain needs rest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I heard that, that, or I read that, that analogy between an elite sports athlete and this idea that we can be business athletes. I was like, okay, I, I get it now. Like there has to be downtime.
0: Yeah. Let me not really challenge that thought, but pose kind of an idea mm-hmm. with it. Sasha against mm-hmm. it. Um, and for the listeners, I have no idea if this is good. I don't listen or watch basketball. So Travis is on the side of the screen. He's probably going to laugh when I say this, but, um, let's compare Kobe Bryant to fucking James Harden, random name. He's really good, but I, he's not Kobe Bryant. Right. I could see, and from what I know, Kobe Bryant's the type of person that in the offseason, he's still waking up at 4 a.m. He's still doing all these things. He's Until he retires, he is in season 24-7. James Harden probably doesn't have that same tenacity towards it. He's still great. He's still in the NBA. I don't know if he starts or not. I have no idea. But he's well-known he's, he's <laughs> well enough that I know him and I don't watch basketball. But he's not Kobe Bryant, and that's clear. Now – When I think of business, the way I think of this is like, okay, well, what if you are like or want to be like Kobe Bryant in business? The difference becomes Kobe Bryant can't delegate passing, right, and be like, you know what? I don't Mm -hmm. need to do this 24-7 anymore because I don't have to pass the ball anymore. I just got to shoot. I only got one job. It's like, no, he still has to pass. I don't have to jump anymore. I just have to run. No, you still have to jump. But in business and in most things in life— you can build yourself up and maybe you do sacrifice for a while, but eventually you can go, now that I'm here and I can have help, I can delegate this task and that saves me hours of time. And maybe I spend half the time I save doing something else to build that up, to delegate that. But eventually I feel like you can work to a place where you're doing, you're running these huge, huge companies, you're being super successful and you don't work 24-7 because you build a team, because you're a smart leader, because you know how to delegate and you can actually kind of stay in your zone of genius. Whereas... Kobe Bryant's going to have to be good at a lot of fucking things on the court, right? Does that does that make sense or does that just sound crazy?
1: Absolutely. No, I think that that's perfect because, again, even like let's say you're running this massive organization and you've got a team of people in their zones of genius doing the work. There still may be times where you're, quote, in season or sprinting. Like it could be mm-hmm. you're in you know, M&A talks. You're in um, private equity wants to buy you. Uh, you want to do a partnership deal. Like, you know, so you are going to be in those periods where you're going to be working maybe a, a little bit more than normal, but it is a season. It's not all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love that. And I really, really like, uh, Did uh I don't know if you made this up or if it's from the same person, but the business athlete.
1: Yeah, well, I just said instead of corporate athlete, I I changed it to business because, you know, you and I are entrepreneurs. I don't consider myself corporate
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, anymore and so yeah it's like this business athlete but it's like if you think about how to expend your energy and you know y- you know how to structure your days your weeks or your year in a way where there are going to be bursts of activity and then not that you're taking time off completely or resting completely but just periods where you're maybe optimizing like i know you did that earlier this year you wanted to really look at your team and your systems and it wasn't that you weren't grinding it out some days and working hard but you're taking this moment to say I want to make sure that we've got the right things in order for our next you know level of expansion Mm -hmm. and that was so smart to do
0: yeah yeah it's and it's yeah and and, because we've had this exact conversation um, and I'm in season right now I'm in a sprint right now we have a lot of things going on and it was and, and like thank god I took that time before this because the only reason you last through a season like this would be if you took that time down, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's so important. Um, and and people listening, like this applies across the board too. So I'm always going to kind of revert back and, and um, apply this to fitness and nutrition and stuff like that because I know a lot of people might be listening saying, I don't own a business, but I want to change my body. Well, what do you think a diet break is? What do you think a deload is? What do you think a periodization mm-hmm. is, right? It applies to everything in life and you are eventually going to have to Um, Figure out ways to avoid burnout by taking a step back so you can take 10 steps forward, right? But I do want, um, I always try to do this with anybody who comes on the podcast, actionable takeaways with everything we do. So when we talk about burnout and we obviously, we've kind of hammered the idea that if you're not taking time to yourself, yeah, there's an issue, right? It's, it's going to be boiling up and it's going to become a bigger issue. What specific things do you recommend people to do? What specific things do you do? What specific things do you see these busy individuals um, need to do that is really effective to help them uh, recoup and regroup and get themselves fresh again to go back into quote unquote season?
1: Yeah, I first of all let me just disclaimer, I am still evolving with regard to my relationship with work as well. So I'm still in the trenches too, trying to figure out the answer to these questions. So know that I am not perfect, but I think the first thing I would say for an individual is to really look at your relationship to work. What role is work serving in your life? And if you're someone who is, you know, working eight, 10, not, not eight, but maybe 10, 12 hours a day. Um, look at what role is, is work serving? Is it replacing, you know, some sort of emotional void that you're not getting solved somewhere else? Like, Is it supporting who you are and your relationship to yourself in a way that is validating from an external standpoint instead of, you know, internally just loving yourself for who you are? Really look at what is my relationship to work? Because oftentimes you'll find, um, if you're someone who's prone to burnout, you'll find that it is serving some other psychological need beyond you know, fulfilling some part of your purpose, but also put, putting food on the table. Um, so that would be the first thing. The second thing would be to look at the language that you use and the people around you use with regard to work. So the first was like my relationship to the work. The second is the language that I use. And so am I saying constantly, I'm so busy or I'm slammed and really um, using that as like, hey, I'm, I'm important or like, hey, you know, look at what's going on kind of getting attention, right? Like what language are you using? And if you notice that you're using that hustle language that, you know, even like talking about being burned out, um, start to shift the way you speak. So the first part is looking at your relationship to the work and starting to shift that relationship to being less about, you know, validating yourself. The second is changing the way you talk about it so that it isn't this thing that is a badge of honor, but rather, you know, you're being really intentional with why you're working and how you're talking about it, that it is part of your purpose, that it is something bigger than, You know, something that you can just brag about to people about how tired you are and how, you know, how much work you have to do. Um, And then the third step or the third action would be to look at the systems of work around you. So, whether it's your family, your teams, your employer, or if you're self employed yourself, like what are the systems around me that I can lean into to, um, to actually take some of the work burden off of me. So that could be delegation, that could be conversations with, um, with your manager about, you know, how, how to prioritize so that nothing, it's not feeling like a fire drill every single day. Um, it's having someone to talk to. So the biggest thing that I do, honestly, is I confide in my business partner probably once a week of like, hey, I worked too late last night. Or, hey, these meetings are piling up and I cannot be on Zoom all day. We've got, I I need your help. That's like, that's a game changer, but it's looking at the systems around you that can be supportive of working in a different way. And notice I didn't say anything about, you know, time for bubble baths or massages or anything. Like all of it is like, again, like the, the relationship to the work, the way we talk about work and associate to work. And then the third is like what systems around us can be supportive from there from taking those three actions you may find time
0: yeah yeah and, and even then like what you do with that time is up to you right but
1: absolutely it needs to be
0: away from that i think that that last one hits home too because i often find um obviously i'm big on accountability and support and all that but i even find too that you know self-affirmations and journaling and meditation all these things are great i do them all i constantly am affirming myself to you know Build my own self-belief and self-acceptance and worthiness and stuff like that because I think it all plays into this like you were saying um, but sometimes when you have that support that accountability that mentor that person to talk to about those things too it makes those affirmations more real because it, you know mm-hmm. sometimes you need somebody to toot your your horn you know like I know that sounds weird but there's a lot of people are like yeah I can you know say affirmations don't blue in the face but I don't believe them right which is mm-hmm. sad you yeah. should but a lot of times you need somebody else that's in your corner saying like man you got this. Like, dude, I know you got this. I know you can do this. Hey, you'll be way better off if you do this. I'm going to hold you accountable to that, you know, taking that time off or, or maybe you're in season. It's like, Hey man, I know you're tired, but you got to push right now. We're going to have time off. And those affirmations from other people, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's just human nature tend to go further with a lot of people. I know for, for at times they do for me. And I believe part of my own self-belief, which I I mean, (laughs) it feels weird to say is high, but I have a lot of self-belief. I think it comes from a lot of people in my life who believed in me so much and they felt um, they felt the need to share that with me that it started to allow me to believe more in myself, if that makes sense.
1: It does. And, and actually, one of the things that we do on our weekly team calls, um, we end every week with gratitude and we have a rule that I can't just be like, I'm grateful for the whole team. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, it, it, and it actually serves that purpose, right? It, it gives the the positive affirmation um, to individual team members for the work, for how they're showing up. And, um, you know, I'm a big journaler too, meditator too, but um, it's, it's fascinating how many times some of the things that I've journaled on in the morning come through in those gratitudes on Monday evening. It's, it's fascinating, but, um, but but it is super powerful to your point of um, having people who can reflect that back to you, but also, as a leader, reflecting those things back to your team members when you're seeing them, sh- you know, show up and evolve and change and do great work, being so mindful that um, they're dealing with the same things that you are, and so as leaders to be supportive of their journey and them not burning out um, and honoring and recognizing them is is priceless.
0: It's huge. Very so. There's a few things I'm taking away, and then I want to uh, like uh, ask you. Really just like uh, resources that people maybe want to look into that you've used. But as I'm listening to you talk about this, I think like obviously I, I think one of the biggest takeaways right now for me is environment is so key. Right. Because even with like I mean, it's hitting home a lot with the badge of honor thing. I think that's so true. And for a lot of people, like you said, it could be work environment that they feel pressured to do that because of the work environment and you almost get rewarded with that badge of honor for working harder and burning out for others like myself, who doesn't have somebody above me telling me what to do in my career. It's more the people I look to and listen to and read from, you know, influencers quote mm-hmm. unquote that I might be into. Um, and the music I listen to movies, I watch stuff like that, um, might lead to that. Uh, but I think that environment is just so unbelievably key. And that incu- includes the negative and the positive. So the positive being those support the outlet like that. Obviously another big takeaway is, is making sure you're deloading your life, your schedule, mm-hmm. not just your, your diet and mm-hmm. your training. Um, but it applies on both ends because you can't move forward unless you occasionally take steps back. Right. But the thing I want to ask you just so people can, um, hopefully get some resources to help them with this. Cause You mentioned mindfulness with it quite a bit. And I think mindfulness is like an umbrella term. Like we could put so many different things into it, but it really is being mindful of, again, who you're around, where you're at, what you're listening to, how you're acting, the way you're perceiving certain things, the way your attitude or your conversations are, your tone of voice, all those kinds of things. How do you become more mindful? Like that's the hard part for a lot of people. And, you know, you can say like, oh, you know, mindful meditation every day and stuff like that. But is there books or resources or people that you've sought out? Obviously, working with you is is one way people could get help and hiring a coach is something. But I'd love for you to just drop some like book titles or anything like that so people can hear it and go, you know, what? I'm going to go check out that book and, and try to work on this because I personally believe that mindfulness is like as a as a whole is where people really struggle is actually applying that.
1: That is an excellent question. And I'm, I'm smiling, you can't see me, but my mindfulness journey has been probably close to a decade in the making. Um, And so there's so many different resources. I got my business degree at um, UNC Chapel Hill, and we actually had a class during one of our retreats where we had a Um, an org psychologist come in and teach about mindfulness in business. And that was probably the catalyst for me really thinking about how to be mindful within the context of business. I even in one of my companies brought in a mindfulness expert to coach our leadership team on mindfulness. So those aren't um, easily accessible resources. But I think um, what I can answer is if you struggle with being mindful, my journey to being able to sit in meditation started by just being able to go on walks, listening to a podcast. Like I didn't want to be looking at my phone, but I wasn't comfortable with silence. And so I would go on a walk and listen to a podcast. And that gave me kind of that entry point of being like, okay, I don't have to be constantly tethered to this device, but I'm listening to something. And then it, and then it was able to shift into um, guided meditations, sitting at home, you know, not having to be moving, but actually being still, but listening to guided meditations. And then um, i I took some training at the Isha Institute in Tennessee. Ironically enough, we were talking about Kobe Bryant. I emerged from no cell service in the woods to learn about his passing. So, Um, it was a couple of years ago already, but, um, you know, I, I actually did some training and so it's, um, a variety of sources, but I've found as I've worked with clients as well, that if you're uncomfortable with stillness and you're uncomfortable with silence, that progression from being able to listen to a podcast mindfully and walking helps because you're not tempted to like, look at other things, then go into guided meditation and then be able to go into some sort of stillness practice is a really good path for those of us who have overactive brains mm.
0: the the only two things i want to add here is uh they're not other actions but just like to help with this number one is patience like as you mm. as you guys can like hear when susan's talking about these things that she did it was it was years ago right and it started with a very very simple step a, a, such a simple step that people would look at it and go that's not meditation right i know but the point is 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 and I think this is where... And this is, was my fear of meditation. Um, and I don't say fear as, like, I was literally terrified of it. But I just didn't feel comfortable being by myself in my head. Yeah. So I didn't want to meditate. I didn't want to be quiet. I didn't want to listen to just noises. Like, I just... I don't know why, like... I couldn't explain it, but I would get anxiety when I started meditating. It was like, this doesn't make sense. It's supposed to do the opposite, right? And it was because I just was uncomfortable being quiet, right? Um, I remember starting to get over it and setting a goal of uh, doing float tanks a certain amount of times in this three-month period that we were setting goals with because it just scared the shit out of me to think about sitting in a float tank for an hour in silence and water in this little tiny tube, you know? And I popped out of it a couple times, full-blown anxiety attacks, and it took me a while to work up to it. But my the the reason I'm saying this is because patience and then action, right? Like I wanted to get over this, so what did I do? I started doing the things that kind of scared me. Like at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. if you can take a small step, great. If you got to take the big step, cool. Either way, you got to take a step. You really can't go forward without taking action. And it even applies to the to the the recovery stuff we talked about, right? Like for me, recognizing really the aura ring was the thing that really kind of slapped me in the face. Like I knew my sleep wasn't great. But I didn't realize how shitty it was until I looked at the O-ring because I would be like, oh, I'm in bed for six hours, so I'm sleeping six hours. That's good enough. It's like, no, you're in bed for six, you're sleeping four, and this is going on yeah. for a long time. But exactly. it really opened my eyes, and I didn't want to do it because I was fearful of not getting enough done during the day, but I just had to take action. I was like, well, I'll never know unless I just do it. I just suck it up and just do it. Sleep in until 630, see what happens. Lo and behold, I got more shit done <laughs> with, mm-hmm. you know, oh, sleeping totally. in an hour and a half more. So point is 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 anytime these situations come up i think number one you got to go into it with a thought of patience is going to be key but also you just have to take action you just got to do it
1: and it's not hard to take action in this space of mindfulness or meditation anymore like there's a great app called still life um which just launched this year which has really short but beautiful guided meditations simple not scary you know so you can find an app and you may have to jump around to find something that resonates for you but there are so many resources like that out there. Um, I I was in a presence mastermind, believe it or not, a couple of years ago with um, with Dr. Brett Jones, and he teaches um, a, a process called Move, Breathe, Meditate. So he takes you through movement, breath work, and then meditation. So you know, like thinking about it, I've done a, I've invested a lot, to be honest, in in learning how to be mindful because I am Type A. I am. I naturally like a hustler. So I've had to learn how to be more balanced. So I've had to learn how to be more still and so much has come out of it. I'm so much more creative. I love myself as a leader. Like I, I, I'm just, I'm a kinder, kinder, gentler human um, but I still get shit done, like a lot of shit. <laughs> so it's, it's key, to, key to so many um, aspects of success.
0: Yeah, I think uh, something that helped me with, especially with the whole stillness thing and mindfulness is, you know, and I tell people this when they struggle with this, uh, with the buy-in at first, because it's a lot of times people don't do it because they're like, well, how is this going to help me? Right. My goal is fat loss. My goal is how is like sitting there and meditating going to help me? And the best way to do this is, is sometimes you need help with this, but try to draw a map from where you are to where you want to be and how meditation is going to help you. Because if you don't really think about it strategically, you might never connect the dots, right? So even for, like, people who are, like, I'm like, hey, we should implement some journaling, some meditation, something like that. And they're like, I just want to lose fat. Shouldn't I just be in calorie deficit? I'm like, you're just too wound up. And I have to explain well, to them, hey, this is how the nervous system works. This is the responses your body makes. This is this is what happens with our sleep. If we don't sleep, this is what happens with fat. Loss. Like, really connect all the dots and be like, meditation has been shown to do this, which could trickle to this, this, and then eventually get you here, which is where you want to be. And when I draw this map, now they have more buy-in because they're like, oh, Right. I get it. Right. And that's why we always say education is really the biggest key for adherence with a diet. Well, it applies to all this stuff. You know, for me, when I when I was first trying to be taught meditation for somebody, I was like, that's cheesy. That's like some hippie shit. I'm not like I don't need it, you know? And uh, and they really were trying to educate me. And it actually took that and then recognizing all these thought leaders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, people I looked up to who I didn't perceive as quote-unquote meditators back then. Again, this is years and years ago. I was very ignorant at the time. Um, but I saw these people. I was like, okay, why do all these successful people do this? It's not a coincidence, yeah. right? It's, it's very much so uh, calculated by them. And so I had more buy-in towards meditation and I started doing it, right? And same thing with journaling. Same thing with a lot of these practices. So sometimes you need to see influences and, and, ty- and then connect the dots. But just, just try to seek that education because your buy-in will be 10 times easier if you do.
1: Absolutely. And I think, you know, just and this, not to be funny, but, you know, I always complain when I'm holding water. And I know that when I am consistent with my morning routine with breath work with meditation, I mean, naturally, my cortisol levels are going to be more normal for me, and I'm not going to be as likely to hold water. So I mean, like, it, it's true, though, I can see in my body, I can see in my physique when I'm not adhering to the practices, which have so many more benefits than the aesthetic, but it shows up in my body. So, you know, if being more creative of having problems get solved in a few minutes of meditation, isn't enough for you. If you, if you don't want to hold water, be stressed. Yeah. That is, um, that's another very important benefit of a mindfulness practice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they, I mean, they even have research on athletes just taking downtime in the neurological effects For recovery and that leading to better performance than the group who didn't have downtime, which I believe in the study, they actually literally watched Netflix. So it's not like anything crazy, but it just goes show (laughs) it'll even help performance. And for coaches listening, this is a huge tip as to why you need to know your clients on deeper level, because when I get check-ins from Susan and if she doesn't fill me in all the way, and maybe things aren't where we want them to be, I can ask. Have you been doing XYZ that I know you do on a regular basis that keeps you in this state? And if the answer is not yet, like yes, then I know, like, hey, like, we're not adjusting anything. Don't worry about it. Get back to your routine. Hit me up in a couple of days. You know, we can yeah. just do that. And then when you hit me up, it's usually like, all right, we're good. Like, everything's fine. You know, because <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> like, like,
1: yeah, the scale dropped a pound. Yeah.
0: So I think <laughs> we're good. We're on to something. So, um, all right. So we're we're coming up on an hour. So I do want to let you go because uh, we try to keep these at an hour and I appreciate your time and respect it. So I don't want to take too much more. But, um, I mean, we talked about so many different things. I could probably do a single podcast on each one of the topics we discussed. So I'm just really thankful and uh, appreciative for you coming on, sharing your story and journey with us, and then diving into what you do for a living because I really do think there's so much application for not just business owners, but the principles and philosophy in general, just as takeaways for everybody listening. I mean, we live in one of the most stressful times in history, so you can use all this stuff to your advantage no matter what you do in life. And then obviously, if you're a business owner, even more so because we're just adding to that stress and responsibility factor. But um, Susan, can you tell everybody where to find you, your content, your your company, all that kind of stuff? Because you guys have great content you're putting out constantly. You obviously offer an amazing service, which is why I asked you to come on the podcast. So I'd love for you to just share with everybody um, your info, where they can find you so they can check you out.
1: Thank you so much. So you can find me at activatedconcepts.com. That's our website where we talk much more about what we do and we'll be adding. At- case studies shortly. We've had phenomenal results from our clients in the last 18 months in particular um, since the pandemic began. And you can find me on Instagram at Susan Lenders.
0: Perfect. So I will link both of those in the description of this podcast. Guys, if you enjoyed this one, please do me a huge favor. Share this on your Instagram story. Tag us both. Both of our handles will be in the show notes. We want to see that. We want to thank you for listening. We want to share it on our story. And go check out her website if you are interested, if you're a business owner or entrepreneur or anybody who is looking to further their life in a positive direction through mindfulness, leadership, coaching, health, all that, because she really does Kind of all of it. That's why it's really hard to explain sometimes <laughs> what she does and what the benefit is because there's just so much to it. So um, once again, Susan, thank you so much for coming on. I really do appreciate it. This has been this has been really good.
1: Thank you so much.